Good morning, friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church Online Worship Time. I'm so glad that you've joined us this morning. My name is Sam. I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church. And, and man, I'm looking forward to what we're going to be doing today. In just a few moments, I'm going to be beginning a brand new teaching series where we're going to be asking the question, who am I? Who am I supposed to be as a follower of Jesus? Who am I? Who am I called to be as a, as a seeker of of God. Who am I? And this morning, we're in just a few moments, we're going to dive into a message where I'm going to be talking about I am integrity. And it's going to be a great day. Before we dive in, I want to ask you uh, and, and, and just encourage you this morning to make sure that you let us know that you're with us today. We have a connection card and just below. You can hit the link and, uh, and that will take you to our website. You could fill out the connection card there. Just let us know that you're here. Let us know if you're our guest. Let us know uh, how we can be praying for you. I would love to be connecting with you through that connection card this morning. Also, want to encourage you this morning make sure that you're interacting with the worship. Let us know that that God is speaking to you. Let us know that you're being encouraged, that you're being blessed, and you can let your church family know that you're connecting here too. I want to encourage you today, if something that's said or something that we do today has been encouraging to you and a blessing to you, make sure that you share it so that you can, so, so that you can help us help you be a blessing to the people in your life. Also want to encourage you to make sure that you have liked and subscribed to our page, that you're hitting that sub notification bell so that you can continue to be alerted when new stuff comes out. Uh, just want to make sure to get all that stuff out of the way before we dive in here into this new teaching series. And so I want to ask if you would pray with me as we get started this morning and let's ask God to bless us as we ask him, who does he want us to be. Let's pray together. God, we come before you right now, and and God, we ask that you would bless this time where we dive deep together into your word. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will speak to us, that you will speak through your word, and that you will uh, encourage us and challenge us today as we seek to ask this question, who am I? Who, who am I before you? Who am I to be as I seek you? And, and who do you want me to be? And what do you want me to be like as a seeker of God? And so, God, I pray that you would answer this question throughout the next several weeks as we study together. And, God, I pray that today that you will meet us here in this time, that you will connect with us and encourage us and bless us. And it's in Jesus' name we all prayed together and said, Amen. This morning, we're going to begin a new teaching series where we're going to be talking about who am I? We're going to be talking about who am I called to be? Who does God want me to be? What does God uh, want from me? And, and as a seeker of God, who am I? We're going to be looking at some of the life of 
David, who was becoming a king. God had promised him that he was going to become a king and replace King Saul. One of the things we know about David, especially in his early life, I mean, his whole life, he would be called a man after God's own heart. And so as a seeker of God, that's what we want to be. And we're looking at especially his early life where he really demonstrated that man after God's own heart principle or concept. And we want to emulate that. We want to look like that. And so we're going to look at David and who David was, and we're going to say, well, who am I? Who am I to be? And this morning, we're going to begin this conversation looking at 1 Samuel chapter 24, 25, and 26. And, And we're going to look at the stories there, and we're going to see that the overarching idea of who am I when it comes to David, his answer would be, I am integrity. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning. I am integrity. Who am I if I am integrity? I just have a quick little video I want to encourage you to to watch with me, and then we'll be right back to our message. Integrity. 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 It is defined not in what you have done, but in who you are. It is revealed in doing the right thing, even when no one is watching. It's a sense of uncorrupted virtue. The opposite of hypocrisy. It is having values and being consistent with those values. While not wavering due to outside influences, regardless of how dangerous or unpopular it might be. It is the ultimate skill in living the good life. Doing the right thing. In the right way. At the right time. For the right reasons. It is a belief system. Without falter. Complete. Unbroken. It's a lifestyle committed to firmness. And strength. It's principle-centered living. Integrity. Integrity. Why have we forgotten you? So integrity. Who am I? I am integrity. Where's integrity? It's in me. It's who I am. It's who I'm looking to be. I came across a story about a couple of kids that were making a game in the snow. Now here in Oregon, we don't have a lot of snow. We had barely any this year, but we've had years where we've had plenty of snow. And where I grew up back in Rochester, New York, man, we had all kinds of snow and we always played in the snow. Well, these two kids were playing in the snow and one of them said, hey, I have an idea. Let's see who can make the straightest line in the snow. And and so they, they both decided, to walk across this freshly uh, snowed on field and they're going to see who could make the straightest line. Well, one of the kids just put his eyes and he focused his eyes on a tree on the other side of the field and he just began walking. And he walked and he walked all the way to that tree. Well, one of the other kids, the other kid that started, he looked at the tree too and he began walking. But as he was walking, he would stop and he would look back behind him and he would walk some more. Then he would kind of look around and get a little sidetracked and walk some more and he would continue walking. And when they got to the where to the other side of the field where they decided to walk to, the one kid looked back, the one that just looked at the tree the entire time, he looked back and he saw he had a perfectly straight 
line going right across that field. The other kid looked back and man, his line was all zigzaggy and, and going in different directions here and there. And, and what was the difference between the two kids and, and their, their line? Well, one was focused on, 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 on one thing and the other was getting sidetracked and distracted and looking behind and and the one focused on moving forward and the other just focused everywhere else and and we're talking about integrity and having integrity it, it comes together with a focus. It comes together with focusing on God who is the truth and, and focusing on Christ who is our truth and, and trying to, trying to walk with Him and know Him and, and walk forward in Him versus just kind of like going all over the place and looking around, seeing what's out there and look behind us, see how we've been doing. No, I want to talk this morning about how to draw a straight line in life towards the Lord. And we want to draw this straight line with integrity. You know, in Psalm chapter 25, 21, it says this. It says, may integrity and honesty protect me for I put my hope in you. We're putting our hope in God who is truth. We're putting our hope in Jesus, who is truth. And and integrity and truth are are sort of married. They're sort of mingled together. If you ask me the question, what is integrity? One of the best... the best definitions of integrity I could find was this. Integrity is the single-mindedness to follow, trust, and obey God, no matter what the consequences or situation. To be consistently and predictably honest in your dealings and in your relationships. And and you can see how integrity and the truth are are intermingled and, and mixed together. They go together. And, and it's so important that we have integrity as followers of Christ and as seekers of God, as a man or a woman or a person after God's own heart, it's so important that we have integrity because we're talking about a God who is truth. And we're talking about a God who is the one true God. And we're talking about the truth of Jesus Christ who dies on a cross. And we're talking about the truth of God's word and how Jesus is the word of God in truth. And and man, it's all wrapped up in the truth. And, and if we are going to pursue this God and go after his heart, then we have to be people who are pursuing the truth, who are trying to personify the truth, who are trying to put the truth to work in our life. And, and if we were to describe integrity with two words, we could say that it's living truthfully. It's living truthfully. And the question is, are you living truthfully? Who am I? I'm living truthfully. I'm putting my focus on Jesus and and his truth, and I'm trying to walk towards that truth. Now, Jesus was known as a man of integrity. He was known as a man who spoke and taught the truth. And in fact, even Jesus 
antagonists, even his enemies, the people who are trying to discredit him and destroy his ministry, even those people would call him a man of integrity. In fact, here's what they said. The Herodians in Mark chapter 12, verse 14, it says, uh, they came to him and they said, you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. In other words, even though they had all kinds of things to say against Jesus, one thing they couldn't say is that he wasn't a man of integrity. He had no interest in in, in in impressing other people by being dishonest. He had no interest in, uh, in, in making people happy with what he said. He was going to speak the truth no matter what. He was going to speak it in a loving way, and he tells us, speak the truth in love. But he was a man who told the truth, who cared more about sharing what God's heart and God's truth was than he did anything else. And that's what integrity looks like. Integrity, it, it takes nothing into accordance but the, but, the, uh, but the life of someone who wants to speak and, and, and live for God. Integrity, it's living truthfully. And when the Apostle Paul was teaching a young preacher named Timothy how to be a pastor of a new church and lead new Christians, he said this. He, he said in, or sorry, he was teaching Titus this. Uh, he said in Titus chapter 2 verse 7, he, he said, in everything set them an example by doing what is good, show integrity. And so the Apostle Paul's version of integrity is doing what's good, uh, doing the right thing, the good thing, teaching the truth, saying the truth, speaking the truth, and living the truth, doing what is good, and showing integrity. And why is this important? Why is it important that we have integrity? Why is it important that we treat the truth delicately and with respect, and that we make sure that we are handling the truth and, and living in the truth and and, and doing good in the truth. Why is that important? Well, it's important because we're pursuing the God of truth. We're trying to point others to the truth of God. We're trying to pursue a life ourselves that's, that's, that's seeking after and wanting to know the truth. And if we invite a lack of integrity into our life, if we enter into crisis of integrity, times of crisis of integrity, and we, and we come out wrong on the other side of integrity, and we lack integrity, or we don't handle the truth very well, uh, that will affect our walk. Uh, that will add some crooked paths to the straight path we're trying to make through the snow of life, and we want to make a straight path. Uh, our walk and our way will look crooked and confusing if we lack integrity, and so we, as seekers of God, want to be able to say, like David said, I am integrity. Now, all of us are going to have integrity times of, or times of integrity crisis, uh, times where we are faced with a choice. Are we going to show integrity or are we going to fudge a little bit? And, and I think all of us have had times where we did fudge. And, and I want to encourage you, uh, I want to encourage you to decide today, I'm a man or I'm a woman. I'm a person of integrity. Focus on that. Focus on the God of truth and walk forward instead of looking back or to the side 
let's walk forward and keep our path going straight. Now, I had a mini crisis of integrity this week. This week, I decided I was going to get a burger to go and buy my wife a burger to go and get some food to go from Red Robin. I love Red Robin burgers. I don't I don't eat there as much as I'd like. When I do, I really enjoy it. And one of the things I enjoy about Red Robin is they have this seasoning. You know, you could buy a little uh, jar of it. It's like a plastic jar, but you, you could buy a jar of, of, of the Red Robin seasoning so you can go home, make your own fries, and make your own stuff, and put that seasoning. I love that seasoning. Well, this time I got my stuff, and I told the lady at the door, I'd like a, a a jar of that seasoning too, and add that to my bill. And so I, I bought a jar of seasoning. She she pulled one out, gave it to me immediately, and then I went into my car and I waited for uh, for my food to come to the car. Well, the food came to the car. I said thank you and and uh, took the bag, put it in the seat, and and I drove home from from Hillsboro uh, or Beaverton. I, I drove home from 185th Street uh, to my house, which is about a I don't know 45 minutes or so. And and I, I looked in the bag when I got home, and there was another uh, another jar of that seasoning. And so I had this integrity crisis moment, this mini integrity crisis moment, right? Am I going to have integrity and, and just say, well, it's their mistake. I'm going to keep the jar. I, I just figure it's a you know bonus. I got two for the price of one. And uh, I, I could have done all kinds of things there. And, and some of you may think, man, I, I, I maybe went too far. But what I did is I called them up. And I said, hey, I just got home. I, I bought one jar. I paid for one, but I got another one in the bag. The lady had already got told. I explained what happened to the manager. And the manager said, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you just consider that a gift from us. Use it and come back sooner than you would have otherwise and have another burger with us. And I thought, well, I could keep that deal. Uh, and, and so a crisis of integrity. What do you do? In a situation like that, uh, you want to be a person of the truth and, and a person who pursues the truth, a person who personifies the truth and, and a person who shows honesty and goodness and does good. And, and sometimes we're presented with a crisis of integrity where we have this opportunity to even get away with not having integrity. And so what do we do? Well, we decide I am integrity and we're going to do something to show that integrity. Now, King David, uh, throughout the passages, the stories we're going to talk about this morning, King David's going to have ample opportunity to get away with some things, but he doesn't. He, he does what he thinks God wants him to do. And each time he does it, I want to kind of come up with a new declaration of what we will do if we have integrity. And the first declaration I want to declare is, is, you know what? I am integrity, so I will do good when bad is easier. I'm going to do good when bad is easier. King David will have the opportunity to do bad. And doing bad seems like it's going to be easier and an easier path to accomplish his goals. God has told him he's going to be the king of Israel. And God told him he's going to replace Saul, the king at the time. But it wasn't time yet. And until that time, David was finding himself on the run with some of his warriors, some of the men that followed him into battle. King Saul was hunting 
attacking him, trying to kill him. And, and there were all kinds of opportunities that David had to put an end to not only Saul's life, but put an end to his own suffering, his own oppression, his own running, and and he could have taken the throne. But he knew that it wasn't God's time yet, and he knew that if he took it and took that throne and took these opportunities, that he wouldn't be as blessed at the outcome as he would going through it God's way. And so he sort of makes this declaration that he's going to do good when bad is easier. You know, one of the first stories we come to in chapter 24 of 1 Samuel, if you have a Bible app or a Bible, open it up to 1 Samuel 24. Uh, I'm not going to read all of the passages we're going to talk about this morning. I'm just going to kind of summarize the stories and then we'll read little tidbits out of each story. Uh, But the story in 1 Samuel 24 begins with King Saul with taking 3,000 men and hunting David down. He's trying to kill David. He's looking for David. David, David's men are in hiding, and, and in this one moment, David and his men are hiding in the back of a cave. King Saul and his men are, are looking for him, and there's this moment where King Saul says, you know what, I need a potty break. So King Saul makes his way into the cave that they're all hiding in the back of, and he, and, and he you know, he's doing his thing. He's having his little potty break, and while he was doing that, King David, or the David who was to be king, sneaks up to Saul and he he reaches out and he cuts off a piece of Saul's robe. He just, you know, cuts it off and then he he kind of creeps his way back to the back of the cave. Now, now David felt guilty for doing what he did. Uh, he was he was sort of ashamed of himself. He he felt like he should have done less than that, but David's men were encouraging him, "Hey, you know, uh, y- you should go ahead and and kill him right now. We could be done with this. In fact, David, it says, had to restrain some of his men from attacking Saul themselves. And when Saul was gone, David came out of the cave and he shouted to him and he said, my Lord and my King. And Saul looked around. He's like, whoa, is that you? And, and, and David was shouting, why are you listening to people telling you to kill me and come after me and telling you that I'm your enemy? I'm not not your enemy, and I want you to know that I spared you today. I, I will never uh, hurt you. I, I will never uh, uh, harm you. I-, I will never harm the king because you, even though you're doing all these bad things, you are the Lord's anointed one. And so David declared, may God judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for trying to harm me, but I'm not going to harm you. And so he had this conversation with Saul. And, and when he was done, Saul, well, Saul just had this moment where he was like, you know, maybe you are 
the one who's chosen by God. You are. Uh, you've repaid me good for the evil that I've done to you. And, and you've been amazingly kind to me today. Like you spared my life. You could have had me right then and there. And, and the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me and you didn't do it. Who else would let their enemy get away like this? And and who else would have ever done what you did if, if I was put into their power? Uh, may the Lord reward you well for your kindness that you've shown me today. And now I realize that you surely are going to be king and this kingdom will uh, will flourish under your rule. And Saul had these like moments where he, it seemed like he came out of his crazy stupor. And then Saul would go right back in and, and kind of go nutty and, and go and chase David down. And so David was used to this back and forth. He'd have a moment where he, he'd say, okay, we're all good. And then he'd have a moment where he'd go nuts and try to kill him. And, and Saul just had this evil spirit that kept leading him and guiding him. But right now what happens is Saul leaves him alone. And, and Saul actually makes uh makes an agreement with him that he won't hurt him. And then he asks uh, David to swear that David won't hurt him or his descendants. And David actually makes a promise to him that he wouldn't. And, and when we look at this story, we see that that David had this, this idea that he would do good when bad was easier. You know, sometimes doing the wrong thing looks like an easier path and a straighter path to what we want. Sometimes stealing looks like like a good way to get what we want. Uh, sometimes it, it it looks like, hey, I'm going to treat this like bonus. I just got someone made a mistake and I was just blessed by it. Uh, some people might look at uh, the opportunity to to get more happiness by doing the wrong thing or to to get more accomplishment by doing the wrong thing. It might even look like it's harder to do the right thing. And, and sometimes it is harder, but uh, let me tell you, the benefit and the blessing at the end is always better. You know, in 1 Samuel 24, 13, here in this story, uh, there there's a quote from an old proverb that says, from evil people come evil deeds. So you can be sure I will never harm you. Well, why was David saying, I'm not going to harm Saul? Well, because he said, I'm not going to be sowing evil into my new reign, into my kingship that I'm about to take. I'm not going to to sow evil and hope that I'm going to reap good because from evil deeds come evil things. And so, so so he decides, I'm going to take the hard road. And sometimes that's what integrity looks like, doing good when bad looks easier. And he said to David, this is Saul, says to David, uh, you are a better man than I am for you have repaid me good for evil. Now, throughout the next several chapters, this phrase will keep coming up. This seemed to be a way with David. David cared about making sure that he did good, uh, even when other people were evil to him. We're going to see this and come back around to it in a moment. You know, in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, Solomon teaches his son, people with integrity walk safely. But those who follow crooked paths, they will be 
exposed. And that's one of the trouble when we decide to uh, to take the bad road. Uh, our deeds will be exposed and, and we're going to be found out and we're going to, you know, uh, the lies that we tell will will come to light and we will be caught. And, and sometimes when we're tempted to take the easy road, the bad road that looks easier, we need to remember that, you know what, the integrity those who walk with integrity walk safely. And so what is integrity that does good even when evil looks easy look like? Well, it looks like telling the truth when it would be easier to lie. It looks like owning up to a mistake and being honest about it. It looks like, well, it looks like owning up to rebellion and saying, you know what, I was just wrong. I was being rebellious, God. Or maybe owning up to rebellion against someone else. It looks like owning up to our wrongs when it's easier to ignore them, to push them under the rug, to say, ah, whatever, uh, to, to be sort of passive-aggressive with the truth. It, it looks like having a hard conversation when it would be easier to not have a conversation at all. It, it looks like talking to the right people when talking to the wrong people <laughs> is easier it looks like doing the right, right thing when the wrong thing looks like an easier path. Integrity, it always does good when bad is easier. And so, when we decide this morning, I'm going to be someone with integrity. I am integrity. And, and I'm going to do good when bad is easier. The next one is this. I will do good when bad is done to me. Not only am I going to do good when bad is easier, but I'm going to do good when bad is done to me. I, I recently came across a story of, a, of an older lady who was uh, trying to pull her big old Cadillac into a parking spot. And, and while she was slowly working up to turn into that parking spot, a young man with a, uh, with a red hot rod pulls in there just right in front of her, cuts her off, pulls into the parking spot. And, and, and that, the older lady rolls down her window and, and she said, well, what do you think you're doing, Sonny? You know, who, who do you think you are? And the young man replied, well, I'm, I'm fast. That's who I am. And he went into the, the shopping store. They were that there. And, and then when he came out of the store, what he found was that that old lady had taken her Cadillac and, and she was ramming his, that sports car uh, with her Cadillac just over and over and over again, just banging into the thing. And, and he said, lady, well, what do you think you're doing? Who do you think you are? And she said, well, you may be fast, but I'm old and rich. <laughs> well, uh, I, I recently read that the average man loses his temper six times a week. Now, I have some statistics here. I have no clue if they're real or true or, or whatever. But, but the average man, it said, uh, loses his temper six times a week. And the average woman loses her temper about three times a week. And women, it says, get angry more often at people. But men get more angry at things. Well, that 
kind of sounds about right to me. When things break down or machines break or things go wrong, men get mad at that. And single adults, well, they express anger twice as often as married adults. And, and men are more physical with their anger than women. And you, you might be more likely to express anger at strangers. Uh, and, and you know, uh, and at home than anywhere else. At home is where we really get angry, and, and anger is more frequent and intense towards those we love, not towards strangers. But uh, but I don't know how true all that is. It, it, it sounds about right to me. I, I'm not sure. I'm going to start counting now. You know, how many times a week do I get angry and, and lose lose my temper? Uh, probably more at things than people. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see. How often do you think you lose your temper a week. I'd be curious to see what you might say to that. Uh, but but when we get angry, don't we want to be like, you know, that that elderly lady <laughs> just ramming the car with our Cadillac, you know? We want to get revenge. We want to get back at at someone who does us wrong. We want to we want to get back at the person who manipulates a situation at work to make themselves look good at our expense. And, and we want to get back at that family member who said something really hurtful and untrue about us at a family gathering. And, and we want to get back at that supposed friend who borrowed money and promised to pay us back, but we've never seen a dime of it. And we want to get back at that person who in their anger strikes out, maybe causes us harm. And we want to get back at that spouse maybe who walked out on us or who, who is leaving us alone or who isn't, uh, who isn't loving us the way that we think they should. And we want to get back at that parent verbally, emotionally, physically, who hurt us, and, and we want to get back at them. And, and we want to just bring our revenge on people. But what does integrity do? When we have integrity as followers of this one true, loving, gracious, forgiving God, what do we do when we have integrity and we're so upset and we're so angry and we're tempted to take it out on someone else? That's where we come to 1 Samuel chapter 25. We come to this story where we see David and his men still on the run from Saul. Saul's trying to kill him, still looking for him. And and we find in chapter 25, David and his men are camped out outside of this really wealthy man's property. He has 600, or David has 600 warriors with him, and they're, they're surrounding this man's property. This man had lots of cattle, lots of sheep, lots of workers out there. And in a day and a time and a place where raiding was common. Nomadic raiders would raid a property like this usually. They would steal cattle, steal sheep. They would kill the workers. Well, David and his men, as they were camped out, sort of acted like a wall of protection around these men. And and in being this wall of protection, they made friends with the men who were workers. They were nice to them, kind to them. David made sure no one stole anything. Thing. No one, everybody treated everybody honestly in this scenario. And one day, David and his men needed some extra food for a celebration. 
And even though David and his men were there for a long time, taking care of this man's place, protecting it, probably were helping this man actually become more wealthy and have more cattle and, and sheep as they were protected and, and his, his property was safe and his animals were safe. Well, David sent word to this man who owned this place. His name was Nabal. And, and he asked him, would you send us some food and supplies so that we can have a celebration? And Nabal, the owner of this property, basically, uh, he, he basically insults David. He tells David that he can take a hike, that he can f- go fly away, you know, that, that who are you to ask me for food and help? And, you know, and, and he just starts insulting David. He sends messengers to just tell David, take a hike. Well, this really upset David. David, if you remember, was a man who repaid evil for good. And here he's having someone repay his good with evil. And so it upsets David. It really upsets us when we're people who pursue the truth, who pursue integrity. It really upsets us when someone doesn't have integrity in their dealings with us. And so David, he's so upset that he's tempted to actually He's tempted to cross the line with integrity. He says to his men, uh, this day I'm going to go down there and I'm going to wipe that guy out. I'm going to wipe out all his uh, workers and all the people in his camp. I'm just going to wipe them all out. And David was upset. He said, grab your swords, boys. Let's go get them. And, and so David began to, to make his way with his army towards Nabal's house. Now, Nabal had a wife who was a lot wiser than he was. By the way, scriptures will tell us that Nabal was a wicked man, that he was a dishonest man, that he was he was just not a good man. And Abigail, his wife, she was a good woman. And she heard from the servants what was happening. And and she kind of had this panic. And and she says, oh, no, I can't let this happen. And and so she said, get together some some food, you know, get some meat, get some bread, get all the things we can together. Let's get some mutton, some roasted grain, some raisins, some fig cakes, some some donkeys packed with all this food and wine. And let's start moving them towards David and his armies who are coming. And they're so angry. And so they did. They sent out all this food. And Abigail went out there and she said, please don't do what you're looking to do. My husband, he's not always making the right decisions, but please spare us all. And here, here's what you need and, and here's what you want. And, 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 and so here's what she says to David. She says, don't let this be a blemish on your record. I remember in school, in in high school, uh, the teachers used to say, this is going to go on your permanent record. And I've never seen that permanent record. I don't know where that permanent record is. But uh, but here, Abigail is talking about, you know, a record in terms of your reputation, a record in terms of the way people know you act and what you do. And she knows David is a man of integrity. And so she says, don't do what you're about to do because you've had integrity all along and don't let this be a blemish on the beginning 
beginning of your of your kingship and so then your conscience won't have to bear the the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance and sometimes uh, having vengeance it can feel so good but afterwards what happens our conscience happens and we realize I shouldn't have done what I did. And so David in hearing this, he's upset still, but he's going to stop. He's going to pause. He's going to think about it. And, and he's going to decide that his anger isn't going to blind him to good sense. And he decides he's going to do good even when people do bad to him. And sometimes integrity listens to good sense. Integrity just listens to good sense. Integrity is willing to hear out a reasonable explanation. It's willing to hear out the truth, no matter what the source of that truth is, no matter what emotions are involved. Integrity is willing to sit back from our emotions and say, you know what? I'm going to listen to wisdom. Integrity listens to good sense. And, and in 1 Samuel 25, 33, David says this. He says, thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out my vengeance, out vengeance with my own hands. And so th- there's a key there, by the way, with my own hands. David is going to put it in God's hands. And sometimes that's what we need to do. We're going to have integrity and leave these things in God's hands. Sometimes integrity is willing to listen to the advice of a counselor, even when maybe we don't want to listen. Sometimes integrity is willing to listen to the wisdom of an authority in our life, whether it's an authority of a judge or a teacher or a pastor or preacher or a mentor. Integrity is willing to listen to good sense. Integrity is willing to listen to good sense from good Christian men and women and friends who will help us apply it. Integrity is even willing to listen to good sense from an enemy if it's good sense, if it's wisdom, it doesn't matter what the source, integrity is willing to step back and listen. Uh, You know, often you can tell when someone's having an integrity crisis, especially a big one, because they will pull back from the people that will speak good sense into their life. They'll pull back from people who are going to speak Christian wisdom into their life. They'll pull back from the church. They'll pull back from their pastor. They'll pull back from their Christian friends. And and sometimes what they'll do is they'll replace those good uh, sense, those wise sources of of godly wisdom with worldly sources of wisdom that are going to tell them the things that that help them justify their actions and what they're doing and and they will find that they could they could easily get a message to justify their bad sense and so they'll move into doing bad when people are doing bad to them rather than doing good when someone's doing bad to us and I want to encourage you if you find yourself in a place like that if you find yourself pulling away from people who are speaking good sense and wisdom and godliness into your life. Let that be sort of a heart check. Ooh, maybe, maybe I'm not having integrity right now. 
and I want to be integrity. I want integrity. I'm going to focus my eyes on Jesus, and I'm going to start walking towards the truth that God wants me to walk towards. And David would say, I have heard what you said. I've heard you. And that's what integrity does. It listens to good sense. It hears it. And and not only does it hear it, but it goes the way of the good. It, It does the good thing. David receives the gifts. He turns around, goes back to camp, and and all the people are spared, and even Nabal is spared. And and, and, and even though Nabal is spared, though, there was a little foreshadowing to what was going to happen. David declared he wouldn't be hurt by his hand, but God actually brings about justice on Nabal. Because what happens is is Abigail, the next morning, she wasn't able to tell Nabal what had happened with David that day because Nabal was drunk out of his gourd, and she decided not to even talk to him that night. But in the morning, I'm sure he had quite the hangover. In that morning, she told him what she had done, and he became so upset that the scriptures say that he had a stroke right then and there. And he ended up dying 10 years, or sorry, 10 days later. And the story of Nabal ends with the words, the Lord struck him and he died. And so while David was able to maintain integrity, God brought justice on Nabal. And and so it's the same end, right? But David was able to hold his head up high because he maintained his integrity. And so integrity is doing good when bad is easier. It's doing good when others do bad to me. And the last thought, the last declaration is this, that I will do good when sowing deeds. I'm going to do good when I sow my deeds. When I do things, I'm going to make sure I'm sowing good deeds in my life. And the reason I want to do that is because of a biblical principle that you reap what you sow. It says it this way in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, the apostle Paul says, don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Now there was another moment where David had a chance to kill Saul. This this other opportunity came when Saul brought 3,000 men down to where David and his men were hiding and Saul was going to attack them and and they were getting ready. They had these 3,000 men were all camped in this big giant circle. And right smack dab in the middle of the circle, Saul uh, was, was in the middle of that camp. And so at the night before, they were going to really go on the, the big push to attack David and, and find him. They went to sleep that night. And it says in the scriptures that God put them into a special deep sleep. And while the whole camp was sleeping, David and his men snuck in to the camp. They snuck into that camp and they made their way all the way to the middle of the camp. And because God had put a deep sleep on them, they were able to go right to the middle where Saul was laying. And and where he was laying, there was a bucket of water and a spear. And so David took the spear. And even though he was tempted and even though some of his men were going, you know, stick him right now, you could be done with it. Uh, David took that spear and he took that 
bucket, and he spared Saul's life. Then they made their way up onto a hill far enough away that David began to yell and say, Hey, everybody, wake up! And and the camp woke up, and, and David began to yell at the commander of the army that was next to Saul sleeping, Abner. And he began to talk to him about how come you're not protecting your king. And and here's the spear that was right by him. And here's the bucket that was right by him. And and David yelled out and 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 and, and challenged this this warrior Abner this this leader of Saul's armies and while he was doing that uh, Saul began to yell out to David and they began to have this conversation and Saul says to David is that you and David says yes it's me and 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 David began to yell out him hey am I supposed to run away from you and die in foreign soil and 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 am I supposed to be running from the people and my people who worship the Lord and am I supposed to be uh, hiding out in the mountains? I mean, is this really the way that it's supposed to be going? And and then it says Saul, he, he saw that David was spared him and he saw all this. And, and it says Saul confessed and said to him, I've sinned. Come back home, David. Come back home, uh, which... It would have been dangerous for David to do, but he said, "Come back home. Uh, let, let one of uh, come back home. I've wronged you, and I value you. You valued my life today, and and so uh, I'm a fool. I was wrong." And and Saul begins to sort of admit things, but David says, "You know what? Here's your spear. Here's your bucket. Send a guy over to get it." And Saul yelled at him, blessings on you, David. Uh, You will accomplish many heroic deeds. You will surely succeed. And then Saul took his 6,000 men and went home. David had integrity. And the question is, why would David make sure that he wasn't killing Saul like this? Why would he make sure to have integrity and to do good to people who were doing bad to him? And why was he doing that? And the answer is, is because he was sowing seeds for his future. He knew God was going to give him this kingdom. God already promised it to him. And he knew that that taking things into his own hands and not waiting on God's timing and, and, and trying to find an easier way to accomplish things God had already promised to give him, that if he was to do it in all these evil and bad ways, that he would just be bringing evil and bad into his reign as king. And so he knew that he wanted to have integrity. In 1 Samuel 26, 23, he says, The Lord gives his own reward for doing good and for being loyal. That's integrity. God rewards for doing good and for being loyal. David wasn't showing this integrity for Saul's sake, for his men's sake, for anybody's sake other than the Lord's. And he knew that if he did the right thing, God would bless. And sometimes that's all you have to hold on to when you decide to have integrity in an integrity crisis. Sometimes the only thing you can know is that God will bless if we go through this the right way. And I want to encourage you. 
I want to encourage you to start thinking that way through your life. Start thinking that way this week. Say, I'm going to have integrity and trust that God will bless if I do this the way he wants me to. In Acts chapter 24, verse 16, it says, So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and men. The Apostle Paul was basically saying, I'm running my life and living my life in a way that I want to keep my conscience clear. That's integrity. Clear before God first and also before men. In Proverbs chapter 20 verse 7, it says the godly walk with integrity and blessed are their children who follow them. Blessed are you if you have this incredible integrity. I want to finish up this morning with a story that's very similar to my experience that I had this week. And uh, and maybe you'll see why I made sure that I called Red Robin to tell them about this extra jar of spice. (laughs) Uh, It's an old story about a preacher in Texas. Uh, You know it's an old story because this preacher was in a store. He was kind of in a hurry, had things going on, had places to be. But he looked in and it was one of those stores that uh, that you could buy CDs and music and records and everything. And and he looked in and it said two CDs for $9.99. And he knew he had two CDs he wanted. So he walked into that store and he bought his two CDs. When the cashier checked him out, instead of charging him nine ninety nine, she charged him one ninety nine. And he didn't notice it until he walked out of the store. He walked out of the store, looked down at his receipt, and he saw one ninety nine. And he was he was considering what to do. You know, he he thought kind of like I thought. Well, she made a mistake and. And so, uh, so you know, bonus, this is a blessing for me. And, and he thought, well, I, I could just go home and, and, uh, and just call it good. You know, I got two CDs for $1.99. I couldn't, I had a good, call it a good day, you know. But he didn't. Uh, what he did is he went into the store and, and uh, he said, I'm sorry, to let, ma'am, uh, you, you, uh, you charged me, you didn't charge me enough for the CDs I just bought. And, and you made a mistake. Uh, the sign said nine ninety nine for these CDs, and you charged me a dollar ninety nine. And the lady looked up at him and she said, "No, uh, no, I didn't make a mistake." And he said, "Well, yeah, you did. I mean, look here, here the receipt it says dollar ninety nine." She said, "No, you don't understand. I, I didn't make a mistake." Well, what do you mean? He asked. Well, let me tell you. Here's here's what just happened. Uh, Seventeen years. I've not been into a church. Uh, 17 years, she said, I've stayed away from the church. I was hurt by a church. Uh, I had had painful experience, and I haven't been back to a church. But last week, I went to a church, and it was your church. And you were preaching, and you preached a sermon on integrity. And so uh, when when I saw you come up, I just wanted to see if you meant what you said Uh, when you when you preached on integrity. And so now that I see you did, uh, would you mind? I really need what you have. Would you mind telling me about this Jesus? And and would you mind helping me know the Lord? Wow. I mean, just the thought of walking away a dollar 99, calling it good. 
when what was really happening there was a spiritual battle. What was really happening there was a spiritual test. And this pastor decided that it was the right thing to do. He was in a hurry. It was easier just to move on, call it good. Uh, It was easier to say, wow, bonus, I just got, you know, uh, some cheap CDs. But he went back and God had a reason for it. And so when I got home and I, and I saw that, uh, that extra jar and I knew what I was preaching on this week, I thought, man, I better call, (laughs) I better call Red Robin and, uh, and, and, and work this out. Uh, Cause you don't know, you don't know what, what God has in store, but you do know this, that all the scriptures we read today tell us that God blesses those who repay evil with good. That God blesses those who walk with integrity. And I just want to encourage you this week to make a decision to take some next steps. One next step I'd like to encourage you to do is open up your Bible to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, and, and memorize that verse. Memorize that verse that that uh, it's all about integrity. I'd also like to encourage you this, that you pray this week, every day, God, God, will you help me have integrity? And I'd like to encourage you also this week to declare the phrase, I am integrity, when you have your integrity crisis because it's going to come and and when it does just declare I am integrity and I'm going to have integrity let's pray together God our father we thank you for loving us for caring for us for forgiving us when we stray and, and go crooked ways but God I pray that we will fix our eyes on you and your truth and that we will have integrity that when people say, where's integrity, that they will see it in us because we're pursuing you, the God of truth. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Hey, everybody, I want to remind you that Easter is 28 days away. Man, we're getting ready in 28 days. We're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. In 28 days, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be seeing everything we've been praying about together as a church, everything we've been moving towards as we've been fasting together, as we've been praying together for our church service on that Sunday, as, as you've been inviting people to come to either in-person service or you've been sending out an invite to join you for, for, for online work. I just want to encourage you, 28 days, be sure that you are getting ready for Easter, uh, preparing your heart and preparing yourself in prayer. Uh, Just want to encourage you to remember Easter's coming up. Uh, you know, every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection, and, and that's true. Every Sunday we do that. But Easter is just a, a special Sunday where we as a culture and we as a church just say, you know what, let's be about the business God is calling us to be about. 
and and we're inviting and we're praying hard and 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 we're just trying to make sure that we're letting God use Vernonia Church in the way that he wants to as we come up to Easter Sunday. So Easter Sunday it's April 4th and we're going to have online worship at at 9:30 and 11 a.m. on Easter Sunday. So uh, just want to encourage you to remember that and just want to encourage you to make sure you're there and make sure you're inviting and praying. We want to continue to worship together by receiving an offering right now. And uh, I just want to say thank you to those of you who have been faithful, who have been giving to the ministry of Vernonia Church. You know, we're continuing, we're continuing to worship together. We're continuing to celebrate together. And we're seeing God's word spread and we're seeing God do great things. Easter's coming up uh, uh, and and we're getting ready to do some great stuff and great work for God. And I want to say thank you to those of you who have been a part of making sure we could continue to do that together. You know, God's been at work. We, we've A couple of weeks ago, we had a young man give his life to Christ and get baptized. And, and we're, we're looking forward to seeing God continue to spread his message to the world through Vernonia Church. And one of the reasons that we're looking forward to that, one of the reasons that we uh, are here today, and one of the reasons we're seeing this ministry grow is because of your integrity in giving financially, because of your uh, true worship and, and your true dedication to give. And so I want to say thank you uh, for joining me in, in doing what you're doing. And I want to encourage you to keep doing it. Keep it up, Vernonia Church. And if you've never given before to a church, if you've never given to Vernonia Church before, I want to encourage you. You could join us too. I want to welcome you to give. Even if it's just a little bit, you can begin to open up to worshiping that way and join me in doing that. Uh, I don't ask anybody to do anything in, in at Vernonia Church that I'm not willing to do. And so you can join me in giving the way that, the way that I give and you can join the rest of us in giving and you can do that in all kinds of ways. You can go online at any time to www.vernonia.church and there is a give tab there at the website. You could click that. You can set up giving there. Uh, you could text to give to 503-376-6646 and that's 503-376-6646 and you just text the word G-I-V-E to that number and you could set up giving there. Uh, there are all kinds of ways to give. Those are two of the easiest online. You could also send in your offering envelopes if you have those or 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 you could send checks or whatever. Uh, but but the two best ways probably for all of us would be online or through text to give. That said, I want to move into just finishing up today and uh, I want to pray and ask God to bless uh, as we give. But I also want to move into after that, we're going to declare that it's been a great day and I hope you have a great day. So let's pray together and then we'll declare the, the day for the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be a part of your work here in Vernonia Church. And I pray, God, that you will use what we do as we give as we support the work that you're doing here as we watch people give their life to Christ and and see you at work God I pray that you will bless what we do now it's in Jesus name we all prayed together everybody said 
Amen. I want to invite you wherever you are just to join me on the count of three. We'll declare it's been a great day. One, two, three. It's been a great day. Hey, I hope you have a great day.